Shark Child, and this is the Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. So, for my latest story, I had this vision of some colorful characters sitting around a banquet table, feasting on food, and conversing about the strange and the morbid. So, I kind of let my imagination go, and the story that you're about to hear today is the result of those imaginings being typed into the virtual pages of my computer. It's going to be a little bit fresh and new compared to my other unusual stories, but I like to keep everyone guessing and wondering what's coming from me next. I gotta meet those high expectations. So, this is episode 25 of the Dark Verse, and it is entitled Character Beast. Yes. There were many sitting around the table in the dining room at Neverlaster's Inn. Altogether, there was the blind man the ruler, the temptress, the demon, the thief, the philosopher, the jester, the card man, the hunter, the seer, the warlord, the ghost, and the masked mute. They were all dressed at their finest, and they all came with their deepest imaginings. The temperature in the inn, which was perfectly stagnant, cradled a humidity that left a thick contingency of air. The breath of it was harsh, and a slight perspiration was common among the gathering. A cryptic, black chandelier hung low over the table with dozens of wax-dripping candles. Affixed to the outer walls was a handful more of candles in their dark, antique holders. The light's entire opaque glow reflected upon the red of the room, the wallpaper, and the carpet, creating a visual hum of red haze. The ceiling was unique. It was pure black, ornamented in gold foliage that danced like flames in very unusual patterns. And to blend with all of those things visual, creaking rejoiced throughout the crevices of the place, whether under foot, touch, or some other means. This was a meeting of the faces of iniquity. They had joined together to discuss the fate of evil, its direction, and its movement. On a hallowed eve, at the strangest of locations, and bound within the dreariest of physical manifestations. Very rarely did these meetings occur, but even more rare were the amount of those who attended. It was truly a unique occasion. I stood at the rear of the room, watching intently upon the scene in my bourbon-colored suit. My hands were delicately clasped in front of me at my waist, but I held the rest of my posture in a rigid stature. 
My eyes were wide, and my ears were perked. My reliable colleague, who stood on the opposite side of the table, working his first evening shift, was there to join me in attending to the every need of the party. The conversation was a slow start, and mainly involved the philosopher touting his over-relished quagmires of evil's ever-eternal existence. It was finally the card man who flicked a card that so suitably stuck over the philosopher's mouth, ceasing his plague of words. But, even as the direction of the conversation flowed into topics more pertinent, there was a lack of conviction and leadership. Several spoke, but none were heard. When the meals were brought to the table, the tide of the mood changed and for a while sparked raging flash floods of savage ideas, but even those faded with the vanquishing of plates. As the hours turned face over face, and I continued to listen and watch the banter of irrelevant conversation, something came over me, as it always did in such situations. At a point within the latter end of an unbearable duration of time, the archaic babble enraged the very essence of my sinister genius. My sense of purpose, whatever it had been, communed with a darker self, deep within the bonds of my subconscious, and brought back a replication of dementia. And not just any dementia, it was the sick, twisted dementia that allowed the unthinkable things to come to life, to be the master of the puppet self. I might have been a servant then and there to the personifications of malevolence, but I would not have any more of the idle speculation. It was my job to enforce a more diabolical palate. I walked politely up to the table beside the masked mute and the thief. Excuse me, I said, waiting for the attention of those there. Many, as they ceased talking, reflected at me very impatient and cruel demeanors. I maintained my countenance and continued with my intervention. I would like to put your subject on a more appropriate path. I picked up the dinner knife lying before the thief and thrust it harshly into the front of his neck, without any thought as to whom the victim was. For a moment, there was a shock-filled pause of movement and sound, excluding the thief who yanked the knife from his throat and began to gargle a steady stream of blood before falling limp upon the table. Soon thereafter, a round of applause began, starting with the masked mute. My bold move had been rather well taken and appreciated. In fact, the masked mute, whose face always smiled, so much enjoyed the spectacle that he took his own dinner knife and rammed it whimsically into the eye of the ruler sitting on his other side. The ruler howled in pain and then fell back in his chair, ending his fall in a lifeless heap. The masked mute continued to clap at his own achievement while the rest of those around the table ceased. It appears we have our muse, the philosopher spoke to the rest of the table. He spoke through the side of his mouth with curled lips. A dark cloak hung about him, matching the color of his hair and glasses. 
Yes, and there is much more I would like to know about him, the temptress added, smiling controllably. She wore a dark green dress that lay tightly upon her form, leaving those enticing attributes she carried visible. Thick, long black hair hung straight from her head, only amplifying her green eyes and olive skin evermore. Please, take a seat, the seer requested. The seer looked old with a white beard and white hair. He wore a fine, velvety robe that shone very little of the man's intensely black skin. I pushed the thief's body from his chair and replaced it with my own. Blood from the dead man clung to my suit as I sat, but I did not mind it. I think everyone shares in the want to know your name, the seer continued, or would you prefer I state it? My name is Weller Cross, I announced. The seer nodded his head in acknowledgement and confirmation. Have you ever killed anyone before? The warlord asked through his grimy teeth. Hides of his foes lay wrapped about his figure. He showed no sign of emotion. Not at the dinner table, I responded. The group laughed. Perhaps something here caused your suit to change. The card man hinted beneath his thick mustache and hat made of animal fur fiber. He shuffled a deck of cards in his left hand while he spoke. This isn't a place for the weary of hearts. How did you come by this job? I've worked here at the inn for a long time, I said. The innkeeper only wants the best working evenings. I'm one of the best. He told me it would be an interesting night, so we'll see what happens. And how would you feel if we gutted your friend, in response to your inspiring gesture? The hunter asked, motioning towards my colleague who still stood at the ready, several feet from the table on the opposite side of where I sat. The hunter had a bald head and wore a leather vest that carried a myriad of different sized knives. The foreign evil incarnate within me still stirred. He is here to serve. I stated in response to the question. I looked at my colleague, and I could see beads of sweat beginning to alternate down the sides of his face. Oh, goody, the jester added. His face was painted like a weeping child, and his garments were an alternating mess of black and white. I disliked him immediately. As are all of you, I continued on from my last words. Are you not serving a thing unmatched in destruction and despair? Are you not coming together here to proliferate that thing? I stood from my chair and walked around the table until I loitered behind the jester. All eyes watched me intently. And if you are to serve, should it not be without games, foolish plots, and childish schemes? I doubt there is room for a travesty in the seriousness of your work. The gesture tried to escape, but it was no use, and it was not by my hands. The blind man, who sat at his side, used his hidden dexterity to hold fast the gesture by his wrist, while the warlord on the other side cleanly chopped off the gesture's head with an axe. The head rolled in the direction of my frightened colleague, stopping short of his trembling feet. I think, for a waiter... You have been trained overly well, 
the temptress said. I wonder why now you have hatched from your shell. What you propose is strength in strategy and not in numbers. I must agree. But what is the winning combination? There were once thirteen of us, but now only ten. I doubt it is the latter number. The temptress ended her words with a chuckle. I smiled as widely as I could in response to her, but did not say a word. The ease at the table quickly turned into tension. Thoughts boiled within the minds of those in attendance. Everyone began to eye the one next to him and doubt the quality there contained. I remained standing away from the table, leaving myself as only a spectator. In another glance at my colleague, I noticed that he had shuffled further away. Fear is one of the greatest evils, and it cannot be stopped in death, the ghost spat. Its physical inconsistency wavered. War can never be overlooked, chimed in the warlord. It overturns and enslaves nations. It starves the weak and corrupts the strong. Money is the root of all evil, the card man said. But wisdom can mislead the truth, added the philosopher. Don't you all know, yelled the seer, stopping the rapid outbursts. There is only one pure evil worthy of being forged in the bowels of hell and spread amongst the lands of the living. There is only... The seer's words were cut short. An unseen wound on the seer's neck seeped crimson through his beard, and it was the demon that had done the deed. I did not need to hear any more, the demon preached. Knowing the future does not change it. Controlling the present is what matters. The demon returned to its seat and quieted itself once more. Immense black eyes hung in its off-white face while an empty mouth joined them. Roped together on its back were two enormous gray wings. Things were looking good at that moment, but that quickly changed. The death of the seer ended all conversation and bickering. Silence took over. Those remaining at the table sat quietly and inwardly. Not even the philosopher dared to pierce the stillness with an eccentric remark. No one wanted to provoke another, so no one spoke. It was simple, and it was preposterous. This was what I had dreadfully not hoped for. I gave the party an ample amount of time to move forward with their discussions, but it did not happen. Thank you very much for dining with us this evening, I said, bludgeoning the silence with monstrous brutality. It has been a pleasure, and I hope to see all of your faces in the near future. As you leave, a steward will return any belongings to you that you relinquished upon entering. Good night. As dumbfounded as all of those sitting at the table were, they began to stand from their chairs, and as they did so, my colleague and I pulled a latch that was on the wall on each of our sides. The ground opened up and dropped the remaining patrons, their chairs, and the table into a pit full of atrocious spikes. The steward then entered the room with coats and other ornaments that belonged to the customers, including the ghost's gravestone by which it was bound, and dropped them into the pit 
before my colleague and I released the latches. Evil is not always what you expect it to be, and it certainly doesn't romance these inept fools, I said to my colleague. I hope you shall remember that long after I am gone, Mr. Grimm. The boss got his hopes up a little too high for this evening, but I knew better. We have an important job here, and we are very, very good at it. That concludes episode 25 of The Dark Verse. Please let me know what you thought about it by emailing me at sharkchild at thedarkverse.com. And if you haven't listened to all of my episodes, make sure you go to thedarkverse.com to download them or listen to them. You can also get them on iTunes, of course. Or if you want to read them, you can go to the stories page of thedarkverse.com. It's your preference. If you want to add me as a friend on MySpace, go to myspace.com slash thedarkverse. You'll find me there. Add me as a friend. It'll be great. We'll have a good time. Also, getting back to iTunes, I need more five-star reviews. Only five stars, of course. I mean, obviously. So I can move up the ladder of featured podcasts in the literature section and top off Harry Potter. So please help me do that. I would greatly appreciate it. All right, have a great time out there in life. Ciao. All stories on the dark verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.